Hello, Monetization Nation. You are going to love today's episode. John Lee Dumas is one of the most successful business podcasters of all time. With more than 1 million listeners on his podcast each month, and more than 100 million total podcast listens, and many millions of dollars of revenue. Just last month, John's Entrepreneurs of Fire show generated $313,000. In today's episode, we're going to discuss two key principles that helped John to achieve this success. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Hello, Monetization Nation. John Lee Dumas is one of my heroes. He's the founder and host of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, with more than 100 million listens of his more than 3,000 episodes, JLD has turned Entrepreneurs on Fire into a media empire that generates more than 1 million listens every month and seven figures of net annual revenue for eight years in a row. He just published his first traditionally published book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, which I have personally been devouring and loving the past several days. Yes, except I don't have a print version because it doesn't ship. I got my, my email from Amazon saying it will arrive tomorrow, um, but I've been very grateful that you guys sent me the digital copy and I've been able to, to read that and get ready for this interview. Uh, John's book is based on thousands of interviews from his highly acclaimed podcast. His book teaches his revolutionary 17-step roadmap that provides a proven path for entrepreneurs to achieve the financial location and lifestyle freedom they're looking for. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, John. Nathan, I am fired up to be here. Monetization Nation, are you prepared to ignite? <laughs> I am. I am. All right. First question I have for you. Can you explain to our audience about your lifestyle before you created your business and your lifestyle today and the best parts about the change? So I grew up in a small town in Maine. First 18 years of my life was just, again, in a small town, living that small town life. It was a great, great childhood. Went to college on an army scholarship. So I spent four years as a cadet. And then the eight years after college as an officer in the U.S. Army. So I spent four years active duty and then four years in the active reserves with a 13-month tour of duty in Iraq in charge of four tanks and 16 men. Pretty intense experience for sure. And at 26, I went into what I thought was going to be the next best six years of my life and it ended up being six years of struggle. I tried law school, corporate finance, commercial real estate, like literally nothing was working. I was failing, dropping out, quitting, nothing was working for me. But at 32 years old, I said, you know what? It's time to make a change. I started reading the right books, listening to the right audiobooks, listening to the right podcasts. And I heard a couple of quotes that changed my life forever. The first one was Jim Rohn's, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I realized my five were kind of average at the time. And I also listened to the quotes from Albert Einstein, try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. And I realized I wasn't really being a person of value in the world. And that was probably a huge mistake on my part. So I flipped all those things around. I surrounded myself with the right people. I 
you know, decided to become a person of value first and foremost, which led me to launch Entrepreneurs on Fire, the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And my life before I launched my business was one where I was chasing success and failing and flopping and feeling unfulfilled and unhappy and unsuccessful. And my life after launching my business was one where I was a person of value every single day. Now, that didn't mean I was immediately successful. It took a year for me to start generating meaningful revenue in the business, but at least I was being a person of value every day, sharing my voice, my message, my mission with the world. And it just changed everything up here mentally, which eventually changed everything on the success side of things as well. The alarm clock would go off very early every single morning. I'd wake up, I'd check my phone immediately for any emails that had come in. And then it'd be shower, shave, dress in my full suit, and jump in a car. And that car to me represented my first kind of drudgery task for the day. It made me feel trapped because I had done all the right things. I had gone to college, I had been an officer in the army for eight years, I'd gone to corporate finance, I'd worked with John Hancock, I'd done commercial real estate, I had done all the right things, and now here I was, stuck on this hamster wheel, going nowhere, inspiring nobody, especially not myself, and just feeling like I was trapped in this world that I had created. And it was this sinking pit in my stomach, and, and I just was wondering why. Why have I not found what I'm looking for when I've done everything that I was told I was supposed to do? Here I am, years later, on this same hamster wheel, feeling like I'm even further behind where I thought I was five years ago. And this sinking mundane feeling would just not go away. It was ever present with me. And I just wanted freedom. And I just wanted freedom. I just wanted to do work that I was inspired by. And I just wanted to do work that inspired others. So there I was, stuck in traffic again, but at least I had my podcast, or so I thought. Then before I knew it, poof, my last podcast had ended and I scrolled through my iPod and there was nothing left. And I thought to myself, man, I have to sit here for another 45 minutes in traffic with nothing but the radio. I was devastated. But at that moment, at that devastation moment, that is truly when my aha moment happened. That's when the light bulb went off. I said, what? There's not a seven day a week podcast. There should be a podcast that comes out every single day of the week that interviews inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. And that's when I had my light bulb moment. I said, there should be someone that creates it. Why not me? I know all these great entrepreneurs who are hosts of their own shows. I could be just like them. I can do this. So I had all of these thoughts swirling in my head. Am I going to fail? Am I gonna look like a fool in front of my friends and family who up to this point had only seen me as a success? And these were real fears. I used to wake up sweating in the middle of the night saying, what am I doing? This is insane. And the only way that I would be able to go back to sleep was by convincing myself that when I woke up in the morning, I was gonna give it all up and go crawling back to my job in commercial real estate. But luckily for me, I would wake up in the morning, the sun would be shining, and I'd say, you know what? I'm gonna give it one more day. One more day, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna learn what it takes to upload a media file. I'm gonna learn how to create great audio. I'm gonna learn what it takes to be an interviewer, a host of a show. And every single day, I would get shot down. I would 
struggle. I would come up against another wall that would knock me down, but I kept getting up. I kept taking one step forward for every half step that I was taking back. And slowly but surely, I saw myself turning into a podcaster right before my very own eyes. And it was a slow process, but it did come. And I was able to continue to move forward until the launch of Entrepreneur on Fire on September 22nd, because at that point, there was no turning back. Fire Nation, look what we've created. Look at the inspiration we spread throughout this world. A podcast seven days a week, interviewing the most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs in the world. Seth Godin, Guy Kawasaki, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk. We are listened to in over 145 countries, millions and millions of unique downloads. Fire Nation, look at what we've created, look at what we've done, and we've just started. You've hit a lot of home runs in your careers. You've hit some grand slams in your careers. What is the best home run that you've hit in your career that's the most meaningful to you? Without a doubt, just identifying the void, finding the niche that wasn't being served, uncovering the problem that was so clear to me that for some reason wasn't clear to anybody else in the podcasting space. What I saw was a bunch of great business podcast interviewing entrepreneurs, and they were all doing it one day per week, one day per week. And they were great. But I had a problem with them because I wanted a podcast that delivered a fresh episode seven days a week. I wanted to wake up in the morning and have a podcast episode with a successful entrepreneur waiting for me. And Nathan, it did not exist. So I said, I'm going to fill that void. I'm going to solve that problem. And I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And it was a grand slam. I mean, to date, I've interviewed over 3,000 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs with over 100 million downloads, over 1.4 million downloads every month, 91 months in a row of over $100,000 of net profits. Grand slam. Yeah, that definitely counts as the Grand Slam. <laughs> okay, so what is the biggest failure or mistake or strikeout that you've had in your career and what'd you learn from it? I mean, listen, a professional baseball player that goes to the plate 10 times is an all-star if they get three hits and they're in the Hall of Fame if they get four. I mean, think about that. That is yeah, insane. Yeah. So- I mean, everybody fails more times than they succeed. That is just what life is all about. And my biggest failure by far was my first um, actual swing, I should say, because it was, it was a swing and a miss, but it was my first swing into trying to monetize my business. You know, here I was doing a daily podcast for a year. I said, okay, it's time to make some money. So I said, what can I do? And I asked my audience what they needed. And they were telling me that they were struggling coming up with a, a, a ways to, to launch their podcast because they wanted to share their voice with the world as well and, and their passions, whether it be sports or you know knitting or music or nutrition, like whatever it was. And I said, okay, I know what they want. You know, that was it. I stopped my questioning there. And then I went to a, a cocoon and I created what I thought they wanted, which was this service that I called Pod Platform, where I said, hey, you just hit the record button 
and just speak or interview somebody, hit stop, send me the MP3. I'll add the intro, the outro, I'll edit it, I'll upload it to a media host. I'll do everything to get your podcast out to the world. And I thought it was going to be an absolute another grand slam. I hired a team. I trained the team to do it. I thought everything was in place. And then I launched it and two people joined. One of the two quit within 48, uh, 24 hours and asked for a refund. And the other person that stayed with me was a nightmare client and made me realize this was a bad business model for me at the time. And so I, I refunded all of her money and I just shuttered the business and said, this was not the right business move. And I see what I did wrong. Like what I did wrong was I thought and assumed I knew what my audience wanted. They just told me what their problem was, but I didn't really clarify it. And when I did go back and ask my audience, okay, like you say you want to create a podcast, but like, what do you really want me to help you with in the creation of this podcast? And they told me, and that ended up becoming how I structured Podcasters Paradise, which was my second Grand Slam that I've done in my life, where I just listened to my audience and they told me, we want video tutorials so we can learn how to do it ourselves. We want templates and a Facebook group so we can be connected with, with other podcasters to learn from them. And I just created that in Podcasters Paradise. And to date, we have over 6,000 members, over $7 million in revenue, Grand Slam number two. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to go back to your comment about value. You stated the quote from Albert Einstein, uh, try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. And in your book, um, you say every human is, is tuned into the same radio station, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? And I totally agree. That's what it all comes down to. They don't care about us and what we're trying to do. They don't care about our business and our branding. They care about how we can help them achieve what really matters to them, their level 10 passions. And uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. Why is it so important that we be entrepreneurs of value? And why do we, why should we focus on building businesses of value? And what are the best ways to do that? Listen, you have a passion, you have enthusiasm, you have excitement for something like awesome, good for you. And I really do mean that, but that might just be a hobby and that's okay. Cause it's good to have a hobby. But people are not going to care that you're passionate about something, that you're excited about something, that you're enthusiastic about something until you can show them how it is going to solve a real problem that they have. Then they'll care because everybody's tuned into WIIFM. What's in it for me, yo? What's in it for me? People need to know that because their lives are busy. They're crazy. They're being yelled at by a million people in a million directions, and they're just trying to get by. And what they need is for you to be a person of value, is for you to create a real solution to their real problems. That's how you're going to win. So again, when I launched Pod Platform, I thought I was solving their problem, to be honest. Um, but I wasn't because that wasn't the real problem they had. The real problem they had was how could they personally create their own podcast, grow their own podcast audience, monetize their podcast. Like they wanted to learn from me and they didn't want just to send an MP3 off to some company and have it spit out some, you know, podcast that they had like real, no real touch or connection with. And I, and I found that out the hard way. Now that I know that people really want solutions to their problems, what can I do to sit down, identify my big idea, 
discover a niche that's not being served within my big idea, a problem that is not being solved, and solve that problem and be the number one best solution to a real problem. Because Nathan, people will beat a path to the door of the number one problem, of the number one solution to their problem in this world. They'll beat a path to the door of that number one solution, and they will ignore the second best solution all the way through to infinity because people want the best solution to their problem. And if you provide that, you will win. That is so true. As I've been reading your book the last few days, um, the most impactful thing to me that has the most actionable elements, um, something that I have not been doing well at, and I'm definitely going to do much better at, are the sections about mentors and masterminds. And they're two of your 17 steps in your roadmap. Can you explain to our audience a little bit more about those two steps, getting the, getting the right people to help us in our journey and, and maybe give them some ideas of the best ways to do that? Step five, chapter five, find your mentor. Now, listen, your mentor is out there, but you're looking in the wrong places. You need to think of one sentence and one sentence only. Your mentor is somebody who is currently where you want to be in one year. You need to find that person who is currently where you want to be in one year. Because guess what? That means that they've done what you're about to do recently. So they're still relevant. That means that they're you know still kind of fresh and new in the game. And that's kind of exciting. So guess what? You're not going to be paying tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, to be honest, I don't even do one-on-one mentoring. And if I did, like, most of you just frankly could not afford me because my rates are so through the roof. It's a 10K day to hang out with me here in Puerto Rico. Like, that's the baseline product. And that's because of, you know, I've been doing this now for a decade. You know, I've been understanding and learning from the world's most successful entrepreneurs for a decade. I am not your best mentor, I promise you. Your best mentor is currently somebody who is where you want to be one year from now. So you go and you find these people. And, you know, as Nathan shared in the book, I give you a step-by-step process of how to reach out to them, how to look for them, the words you actually use when you email them or message them on social media. Like I give you this stuff step-by-step. And now step six, chapter six, you've got to create or join a mastermind. There's a right way to do a mastermind and there's a way you're doing a mastermind if you're even doing one at all. And you're likely not doing one at all because that's the majority. And the ones that are doing a mastermind, you're doing it wrong 100% of the time. Does not mean you're not getting value, by the way. You're probably getting value from your mastermind, which I'm really happy for. I'm glad you're getting value, but you're doing it in an incredibly inefficient and an inefficient way. And it could be done so much better. That's going to give you so much more success. And don't you want that? Like, don't you want to, to, to be running and be part of or joining or creating the best possible mastermind? So I literally break it down for you how to find your perfect mastermind. Or if you don't find, if you can't find one, how to create your perfect mastermind, I literally teach you either or of those steps. And then I teach you exactly what you need to do minute by minute during your mastermind session on how to run it correctly. And hey, don't listen to my advice if you don't want to. I'm, you're only talking to a person that's had 91 months in a row of $100,000 of net profit in the bank. Like, don't listen to me if you don't want to. Think to yourself, oh, success does not leave clues. And that's fine. But if you want to follow the clues that, that success leaves, and I'm walking, breathing success, then you're going to do what the book says and you're going to stop questioning yourself. 
Yeah, and I highly recommend that the audience, that the readers and the listeners and the watchers get the book because I have not done a good job at masterminding and I have not done a good job at working with mentors. And, and as I read the book, I saw a clear actionable plan that I believe I can do that's not going to take me a lot of time, that's not going to take me a lot of money, and, uh, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, so, you are. I know that. What is the most impactful thing that a mentor has taught you? And what's the most impactful thing that you've learned through a mastermind? I learned from my mentor that your network is going to equal your net worth. And so I've always fostered my network. And that's why I'm so obsessed with Entrepreneurs on Fire and interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs and surrounding myself with the right people, because I truly believe that to the core, because I've seen it happen over and over with me. And my first mentor told me that, you know, she's like, John, what you're really missing right now is you don't really know anybody, but like, as your mentor, I'm going to start introducing you to people. I'm going to start building your network for you. Never stop because your network is your net worth. And I've never stopped. And what was the second part of the question? And, and then the mastermind. What'd you learn in a mastermind? What I learned from a mastermind was, hey, everybody deals with the imposter syndrome. Everybody deals with fear and doubt. Like I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only person that was scared to launch a podcast. I didn't know. Of course, looking back on it, that was a silly thought, but I didn't know. I'm like, oh, these people just have these great ideas and launch these podcasts. And why am I the scaredy cat? Why am I the only person scared and nervous and cowardly to launch my podcast? But then I joined a mastermind and I realized, oh, everybody feels this way. What a comforting feeling, supporting and guiding each other through this. It was critical. Love it. Okay. Another step in your 17 step process that really stood out to me was diversifying your revenue streams. I really loved the stack the momentum uh, mm. concept. Um, you've done really good. You've done a great job with this building additional revenue streams through your book and through your, your membership site and, and a variety of different ways. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about how you have diversified your revenue and why it's so important for entrepreneurs to diversify their revenue streams? Well, I'll answer that backwards because listen, it's important for you to diversify your, your income streams because you don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know one day you're going to wake up and for whatever reason, this is going to turn off and you don't know why it's going to turn off and it may surprise you, but it might happen. It might not happen, but it might happen. So you need to be prepared. You need to have multiple and diverse revenue streams so that if something crazy happens in the world, and I hope we all now know that things can happen in the world that are pretty crazy pretty quickly, you need to be prepared you need to be prepared. So I've always been looking to diversify my income stream. I don't just have a daily podcast where I interview entrepreneurs. Well, on that income stream, I've got sponsorships, which are key. I have appearance fees for people that pay to come on my show to be a guest. So like that's revenue. But then I also have a course teaching people how to create podcasts. So that's a different, completely different revenue stream. My, my podcasting podcasters paradise course. Then I have three different journals, one on how to set goals, one on how to master productivity, one on how to podcast. You know, I'm launching obviously this book we're talking about right now, The Common Path on Common Success. This is another income stream. I recommend and promote other people's courses, other people's products, other people's services. It's called affiliate marketing. And that's another very strong and diverse revenue stream that I have. I also invest in stocks and bonds and gold and silver and cryptocurrency. I invest in other companies as well. Like I have a big stake in some really cool startups right now, and that could turn into $0 or it could turn into a zillion dollars. It's just time will tell on those things. And I make sure to be diversified. So I always have that kind of stuff working for me. 
are, because our focus is digital monetization here at Monetization Nation, could you share with us what is your best digital monetization strategy? I like to keep things simple because it's true. Whether it's digital monetization, whether it's a brick and mortar monetization, whether it's you know futuristic AI monetization sometime in the future, if you are the number one solution to a real problem in this world, you will win. If you're the number one solution to a real problem in this world, you will win. So your strategy, your tactics has to be to keep your eyes open, your ears open, to do deep dives into areas that you're passionate about, that you're excited about, that you have expertise, skills, and value in, and start to uncover opportunities, problems that aren't being solved, voids that aren't being filled, that you can and want to be the best solution to, and then you're going to monetize because people will be the path to your doorstep and pay you money out of their hard-earned dollar wallets if you're the best solution to a real problem. And there's four questions you should always be asking people when you can to really dive deeper about ways that you can monetize, especially if they're in your audience. You have to ask them, hey, how'd you first hear about me? So you can start to understand how people are finding your content, whatever it is that you're creating in this world. Number two, what do you like about my content? You have to start understanding the words they're using, the vocabulary they're saying. So you can start using those words and vocabulary in future emails, sales pages, taglines, products, courses, services. Number three, what don't you like about my content? So if you see a big trend developing, you can make a change. And then number four, what is your biggest struggle right now? Because they will tell you their struggles, obstacles, and challenges, and then you can sit there and choose which solutions you want to provide to what struggles your audience who knows, like, and likes, and trusts you is giving you for content, giving you for replies, giving you for answers. That's the key. I love it. What do you feel is the biggest tectonic shift that's transforming the business landscape today? Audio. And I think it's audio. It's crazy. It's, it's you know, really obvious with how Clubhouse is just blowing up on such epic proportions. You know, people are missing connection. They're missing the ability to, to be a part of a conversation, to, to, to chat, to ask questions, to engage because we're such a connected society, but sometimes we're so disconnected. And, you know, of course, this recent pandemic has even, you know, extend that as, as far as how disconnected we sometimes can be. But when you have an opportunity to connect with somebody, to have conversations, which is why masterminds are so huge and so important to meet constantly. And now you have an opportunity to jump on an app like a clubhouse and just engage in a conversation or at least just be a fly on a wall of a very amazing conversation, like things change. So that's why podcasts have been amazing for decades. That's why clubhouse will likely be amazing for years to come. Um, cause you know, it's that audio cause you know, video, listen, we get it. It's good to see the face. It's good to like do this, but there's just a lot of added bandwidth. And that's why you don't see like a video app that just has you know, 1800 faces on a screen all doing random things, you know, in their version of a video clubhouse. It's because you don't need that in that kind of environment. And that's why clubhouse as an audio only app works so well. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. I believe your podcasters paradise uh, membership site is the most successful membership site of its kind out there. And I believe one of the biggest tectonic shifts that's happening today is the, the shift to recurring revenue. And uh, I, one of the reasons why I love Podcasters Paradise for you as a monetization strategy is it's, it's that recurring revenue stream. 
Can you share with us just a little bit of why you've been so successful with that? Maybe give a little bit of advice um, for those of us that, that might be creating recurring membership sites of our own. When it comes to recurring revenue, you've really got to sit down and say, what is it going to take for people that join my, re- my recurring revenue streams, that join my courses or my communities that are recurring revenue? What is it going to take to keep them in? Because every single month, you've essentially got to prove to yourself that that 27, 47, 97, fill in the blank dollar amount, whatever it is you're going to charge, that you're worth it that it's worth another 30 days of them being in the community. So it has to be something meaningful. And one thing that we do better than anybody else is we have such a thriving and meaningful Facebook group where people would, they'd miss it. Like they'd miss their friends. They'd miss the opportunity or the ability to just ask me a question any day of the week because they can just jump in, pop a question. Myself or Kate are on that. And Kate, both of us are on it every single day. So we're answering every question that comes through within 24 hours. Um, you know, we have live Q and A sessions that people can join and ask me any question they want to ask. We just foster this amazing sense of engagement, togetherness, community, and you know, the video tutorials and value. And I mean, the video tutorials are great. The templates are great. Like all that stuff checks the blocks that people need, but they stay for the community. Yeah. All right. In your book, you talk about webinars and how webinars have been so effective for you with monetization. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit more about that? Webinars are key because they allow you to present. They allow you to present in a lot of times in a live situation where you can really take people who are in the same space-time continuum as you are, and you can go through and add value to their lives through speaking, through a presentation, through keynote, whatever that might be. And you can have somebody, which we've always had, and it's typically been Kate for us, be monitoring the chat. And like that chat is gold. Like what the questions people are asking at certain points, the things they're saying, like when people are like, oh, that was awesome. Like you're getting so much value throughout this presentation, which is why like it's important to always be timestamp and matching um, when the comments are coming through, when you go back and are kind of you know, reanalyzing that live presentation that you did. And of course, another huge thing about webinars is at the end, live Q&A, baby. It's like, okay, I've just given you 45 minutes of pure value. I've taught you how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I've made an offer to buy this product or service that I'm offering. Some of you already have. Some of you are still thinking about it. Maybe there's an obstacle or a roadblock that you're having that's stopping you. Let me remove that roadblock right now. Ask me the question that's holding you back and I might be able to answer it sufficiently. And if I can't, then this course or product is not for you um, because I have not earned that um, exchange. And we did a live webinar for Podcasters Paradise every week for three years. And then we moved to every two weeks for another four or five years um, until now we're once a month. And so, you know, we just continue to see the value in these live webinars. But at the same time, you know, our business has shifted a little bit. Webinars have shifted a little bit. So, you know, we are shifting with the times as well. And doing a weekly webinar is not something that I frankly want or need to sign up for at this point in my business, in my career. Back in yeah, 2013, 14, 15, like you couldn't get me, couldn't get me off of a webinar. They were so like critical to our business. So it's something that's definitely going to be helpful for a lot of reasons. And honestly, like additional benefits that people don't think about, you just become a better speaker, you become a better presenter. Like you just become better at your craft. If our audience has enjoyed this interview as I have, and they want to buy your book and listen to your podcast and, and connect with you, what are the best ways for them to do that? 
this book is a culmination of the 3,000 interviews I've done with the world's most successful entrepreneurs. I've taken those thousands of hours of conversations, distilled it down into 17 core foundational principles that all successful entrepreneurs share. And I put it into a 17-step chronological roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. So if you're interested in jumping on a common path to get to your version of uncommon success, if you're interested in following a 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment, visit UncommonSuccessBook.com. Thank you so much, John, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, become a person of value. Number two, provide the number one solution to real problems. Number three, fill the void. Find the problem that isn't being solved and be the one who solves it. Number four, don't let failure stop you. Number five, follow the clues of success. Number six, our best mentor is someone who is where we want to be one year from today. Number seven, build our network and surround ourselves with good examples. Number eight, create multiple revenue streams and provide value in more than one format. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about John or Entrepreneurs of Fire, you can find his website at eofire.com. To read his revolutionary 17-step roadmap that outlines a path to financial freedom and fulfillment, go to uncommonsuccessbook.com. And I highly recommend that book. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What key principles have helped you on your path to success? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and I wish you success in your journey to become a person of value. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.